What's up, my loves, and welcome back to the Spiritually Sassy Show, where we are redefining what it means to be spiritual in the modern world. I'm your host, Sade Simone. I'm a mystic, a transformational speaker, an artist, an author, and the creator of the Somatic Activated Healing Method. And I'm so excited you're here, and I'm also so grateful that you're here. Listen, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and stay in touch with me at Sadi Simone on Instagram and TikTok. Also, you can check out my website, sadisimone.com. And today's guest, honey, is a legend, someone that I'm so honored and so excited to have on the show, Benjamin William Decker. Ben is a luminous figure in the world of spirituality. He's revered for his extraordinary contributions as a theosophist, energy healer, meditation teacher, and best-selling author. His unwavering commitment to sharing the universal teachings of ancient traditions and conscious activism has earned him worldwide recognition. And his work is a masterful blend of timeless wisdom and modern pragmatism. Ben is the esteemed host of the Modern Spirituality Podcast and the founding meditation teacher at prestigious Los Angeles Studios, where he inspires individuals of all levels, levels, with his captivating and accessible classes. In 2016, he launched his first online meditation offering, reaching a global audience with his empowering teachings. I'll share a little story about that. Beyond his professional achievements, Benjamin is a passionate philanthropist who supports anti-human trafficking and humanitarian aid organizations. His tireless efforts have earned him the esteemed Unlikely Heroes Legacy Award, and that is so legendary. With his brilliance, grace, and unwavering dedication, Benjamin William Decker is a true inspiration to all who seek a deeper connection to the divine. Welcome to the show, honey. Thank you for having me. Happy to be back. We are happy you're back, honey. (laughs) So I just want to quickly say this real real briefly. In 2016, Ben was launching um, his meditation offerings. And I remember being in India and searching. This was like late 2016. Um, This is maybe like fall. This is like fall 2016, perhaps. I'm planning my my re-entry into the world. And I am searching on the internet. What does a modern-day spiritual teacher look like? What does a modern-day meditation teacher look like? And who pops up on Google, honey? Your face. And guess what I do? I reach out to you on Facebook <laughs> asking you, hey, can you help me You know, get a job? Can you, you help me position me in the right direction? Oh, honey, don't. No, no, no. We're on the record. You know you I did. did? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did. And then, you know, funny thing is, it's like, you know, now we are in this partnership and you really replied to me in a really sort of nonchalant kind of like uh, you invited me to some like rally about some political cause, but didn't like acknowledge the Dakota, what I was asking the Dakota for. Access Pipeline. Yeah, we yeah. were. I invited so, you to a, a protest. But hey, I mean that would have been a nice day. That would have been a great day. <laughs> and so really, you blew me off. So. Okay, whatever. That's like very subjective. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this another time. Mm-hmm. But listen, I wanted to have you back on the show because, you know, there's something so um, needed to be explained in the space. And the other day we're talking and you mentioned to me how capitalism has corrupted manifestation. So I wanted to sort of sort of know I wanted I wanted to hear you speak about this because I think in the spiritual space, a lot of people are equating manif- their capacity to manifest stuff as a spiritual superpower. And, and we know that through the ancient traditions, you know, that that isn't really the goal of the spiritual path. Right. So I want, you to, I want you to take it away and, and, and help us to deconstruct the, this, the understanding, the misunderstanding, the misinformation of what of one manifestation has become and what it truly is. Well, first of all, the word manifestation means something to show up. It means something to materialize in the physical world. So 
it, it just means creating anything. So uh, in most of the ancient traditions, God is the one who makes things manifest. So there's that first and foremost. Uh, I'll use a quote from my mentor, Marianne Williamson, uh, on this topic. She says, if you just learned that you can create anything that you want, I'm happy for you that you just learned that. That's not new information, uh, but it's not the spiritual mountaintop. Um, so, so yes, we can manifest all different kinds of things. Um, and yes, it is a, a beautiful process and practice. Uh, but you're right. Uh, when we were talking about that recently, capitalism this principle of capitalism has trained us to want more and more and more. Uh, it's trained us to, you know, the, they say that the American dream, which was first of all uh, manufactured by uh, different industries, banking especially, uh, but the American dream used to be a house, good school, and a car per family. Now the American dream is to become a billionaire. So the American dream has has uh, sort of co-opted the psyche and it's leveraging our desperation, our desperation for survival, a desperation for acceptance. And so we we use our spiritual and psychological energy in order to manifest things like a Gucci bag or a BMW or or a million dollars or or a great house or a great apartment. Um, the the reality is. All of those things keep you in the cycle of samsara. All of those things are, are, have all kinds of karma associated with them. All of those things are the one thing we know, they will not fulfill anything. So if you, what you really want to manifest is a sense of fulfillment, but you're trying to fill a God-sized hole with shoes and nice dinners and and fancy champagne and and all different kinds of you know material possessions and it's never going to satisfy and so that's the that's the main thing uh is that when we think about manifesting something it's it's there are layers to our desires and so when we want to really manifest something what we're really saying is we want to be more full. We want to be fulfilled. We feel incomplete in one way or another. And so what we want to manifest, what you should try to manifest is wholeness, uh, service, compassion, freedom. Those are the kinds of things that you want to manifest. And the, the spiritual mountaintop, to use Marianne Williamson's term, is not ever about us as individuals. It's about our ability to alleviate the suffering, pain, um, and, you know, sadness, heaviness, depression, grief of other beings. Mm, that's so beautiful. And I remember when Moon, my sister, came back from a three-month meditation retreat uh, in Nepal, she says, I said, what, what, what's the biggest takeaway? She says, I have learned to be totally satisfied and that level of, you know, spiritual satisfaction then leads to a relaxed mind, then leads to an open heart, then leads to actions for the well-being of others. So thank you for clarifying that. And thank you for, for bringing this into the table and for everyone listening. It's like, Check in with what you're trying to manifest. Are you trying? And I love what you said. You're trying to fill a God-sized what is it? A, a God-sized hole. A God-sized we're, we're hole. Bag fill, shoes. We're trying to fill a God-sized hole, and there's not a single material thing that will ever do it. The only thing is God. So spirituality. Okay. Connection to the divine, connection to the universe, connection to enlightenment, uh, to the infinite wisdom. Those are the only things that are going to satisfy at all. Every single material possession that you try to manifest has a, has a shelf life. The only thing that does not die, the only thing that does not degrade or erode is God. Mm, I love that. And one thing that you said earlier is the, the service piece too, that like in service to others is where we are able to 
open ourselves up to experience the divine, to experience right. God. And then one other thing that, came, that comes up to me too, and I've said this before, but I remember when I first moved to LA, 19 years old, I remember looking for God at the club, looking for God at my next hit, looking for God in my next sip of tequila, looking for God at 4 a.m. in another, going from one club to another. From You know, it's just like we're looking for God in all the wrong places. Right. And I think a lot of people don't even... Um, I think the definition of, of, of experiencing God is so has become so co-opted, you know, with this with capitalistic culture that we forgot that, like, you know, in, in the Buddhist uh, uh, in, in Buddhism, there's a teacher um, who I've had the honor of taking the Bodhisattva vow with Jitsuma Tenzin Pamo. She says enlightenment is as close to us as our eyelashes. We just can't see it. And we can translate that in a Christianese, to use your language, way that God is right there. We just can't see it because we're focusing all these other things that are, um, you know, unfortunately reminding us of that deep hole that we're trying to feel, but fill up, but we're, you know, filling up with all the wrong things. Right. And that perpetuates a cycle of despair. Mm-hmm. Well, just to clarify, I'm not Christian, but in... In like the theosophical interfaith work that I do, I try to um, study and explore ways where the different religious and spiritual traditions harmonize. And it's because choosing language that is compatible and harmonious with different religious and spiritual traditions is more likely to be understood by more people um, uh, because so many of us have religious trauma. And um, if if you're like me, you know, I know you were born into a family that was Catholic. And so you were raised Catholic. I was raised Mormon. And, you know, anyone listening, you know, most Americans, especially, but many people across the world are raised in a religious context. There's some kind of cultural or religious tradition that we're raised in. And so uh, part of what we have to do is find our own path. Um, and, and develop our own authentic, intimate relationship with what spirituality means for us and deconstruct those, those beliefs that we were conditioned to in our early, early lives. There are so many different things where we've been told this is bad, this is wrong, this is good, this is right. And now what we see, especially politically, is all of these people many, many people who have been conditioned religiously, who stay connected to that religious conditioning, who do not explore it, who do not deconstruct it, who don't elevate it or embody it, are now making these really, really outdated, bigoted legislations. And and that's a really, really important thing because every generation, this is a Jewish expression, every generation must rediscover God for themselves. And this is actually even true in an atheistic context, you know, so so even the word God, I'm not using it in a religious perspective, I'm using it more in a general, vague, um, spiritual perspective. So, so even an atheist, someone who does not believe in any of the religious narratives, even an atheist must rediscover the meaning of life and the purpose of life for themselves. So each generation must rediscover the purpose and meaning of life for ourselves, no matter what we were trained, no, mo- no matter what we were raised in, no matter what beliefs we were conditioned in. Mm-hmm. And, and on the topic of like, of, of deconstructing this religious uh, background, this religious trauma, I, you know, and I think you could agree to this and, and everyone listening too. if you are part of the queer community, we were, sort of a co-opted and kidnapped into believing that we are innately flawed and bad because of of the misinterpretation of of the of the of the literature and the bible and also leading us to believe here's a big scandal you ready the ignorance of the people who wrote it in the first place okay so a just because it's old doesn't mean it's true b um There are cultural and religious contexts, timeline contexts for when these things are written. Um, In Leviticus, for example, uh, in in Christianity, the Judeo-Christian Islamic origins for like homosexuality, for example, 
for where that's condemned. It's just a few passages right after eating shellfish is condemned. You know, so there's there's a whole lot of context. Shellfish maybe wasn't as safe to eat at the time. Um, the the tribe was seeking to also proliferate and grow and expand. So the idea of ha- for for men to have any kind of ejaculation outside of a woman's uterus, when this was a very hard time, there was a lot of hardship for the people of that time. It was considered a big hell no. They were like, no, we're dwindling, we're dying, we're oppressed, we're wandering in the wilderness. No, we need more, we need more families. We need to grow as a tribe. We need to survive as a people. And so the cultural imperative at that time was for as long as more babies were being born, we were going to survive. And so now in today's world, we have no shortage of human beings. We're an extremely fertile species on this planet today. There's plenty of humans all over the world, so many that we can barely take care of the ones who are here. And uh, queerness, homosexuality, non-binary, all of that, uh, first of all, is one of the most ancient ideas in the world. There are Hindu deities. Hinduism is is the, is the oldest uh, world religion. Uh, it, I, I mean, Technically, shamanism, international shamanism and animism is older than Hinduism. But uh, in Hinduism and in shamanism, there's a place for non-binary and queer people. So so it's we've always been here. We've always been part of nature. We've always been part of the expression of nature and how humanity expresses. So first of all, that's always there. It's not unnatural. It's completely natural. Always been there from the beginning, big, big time. Okay. So we've always been a part of it. In indigenous traditions, there's, of course, the, the very well-known narrative around two-spirited people, where, where, where queer people are believed to have two spirits, and therefore they're initiated into uh, the medicine role, the role of the medicine worker, the medicine man, the medicine woman, the shaman, the healer archetype. They go through special initiations. If, they're, if they express anything queer at a young age, they then are actually adopted into a specific initiatory process that's that's actually different, not the same as everyone else. And they have a very special position within the community as healers. Mm. Um, there's, you know, we could go on the evidence of this is so good, babe. I just want to say like, wow, this is like relaxing my nervous system. And I think for the listener, and if you have a someone in your family, in your community who is struggling with this uh, Judeo-Christian or this any religious trauma that says you are not okay to exist because you are queer, this is such a great thing for anyone to hear because what you're offering, uh, what you're educating us on and, and inviting us to, to not learn, but to remember that we've always been mm-hmm. here. The oldest documented religion in the world, Hinduism, the oldest ancient spiritual practicing people in the world, the, sh- the, sh- the shamans, the, the animists, the, the nature uh, uh, spirit people have always been uh, worshiping and in, in partnership, in devotion to, uh, you know, queer spirits, uh, queerness. Well, there are, there so are, this is so vital. Thank you right. so much for speaking to this. Right. There are, there are tantric deities that are non-binary um, and even hermaphroditic. There are there's evidence in ancient Sumeria and Mesopotamia of leaders who are queer, non-binary. Uh, of course, ancient Greece is known for straight men having sexual relationships with other men. So, so none of this is new. It has been politicized. It it has um, see what what's happened, especially in America. And America is a political leader globally. What's happened is that um, ignorance has become politicized. And so legislation around trans people, around even drag queens, I can't believe we're even talking about drag uh, in legislation. It's insane. Uh, But there's so much ignorance and that ignorance is being played. So these people who are ignorant are the ones who are voting for the people who are uh, implementing this kind of dialogue and legislation and prejudice. But guess what? The people who are implementing it, more often than not, don't even believe it. 
They're playing you. They are intentionally, all establishment politicians play dirty and they know it. They are playing all of these people. They like an ignorant population. They like an ignorant voter base. And the reason for that is they're easier to control. They're easier to manipulate. People have, just like uh, manifestation has been co-opted, guess what? That desire for personal wealth, personal gain, that is what's at the center of all of the major political establishment figures' personal goals. So think about it. They want to manifest that private jet. They want to manifest those powerful relationships all over the world. In Kabbalah, they say you have to learn to survive in order to become wealthy. You have to become wealthy in order to realize that survival is not all you needed for spiritual growth. You have to become wealthy in order to realize that wealth is not all all that's needed uh, for spiritual growth and fulfillment. You have to become powerful in order to realize that power does not bring spiritual growth and fulfillment. And you have to become famous in order to realize that fame, power, wealth, and survival are insufficient to fill that God-sized hole. And so it's only after having those realizations, according to uh, certain Kabbalistic studies, um, that it's only after having those realizations that those things don't fulfill that you actually learn to approach genuine, true spirituality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. And, 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 and my darlings, like the listener, like the thing that has brought me closer and closer to fulfillment and that has brought me to, you know, fulfilling that God-sized hole in my heart has always been service. Right. And one thing I've said, you know, before so often, it's like, I remember when I started my spiritual journey, I was utterly selfish. I was like, I want to feel better. I want to, I want to manifest my dreams. I want to get out of this depression. I don't want to experience suicidal ideation. I don't want to not be anxious all the time. I don't want to be an and addict. Those anymore. are very and good, important things, but that's step that's one. Right. Exactly. And then the natural next step happened organically. The moment I started to tend to, you know, the moment I started to, you know, approach my inner world like a botanist, weeding out the things that I didn't want to cultivate more of and, and, and fertilizing and bringing the correct amount of water and the correct amount of sunlight to things that I want to develop more of and see it blossoming grow in the garden of my heart, in my inner world, the natural next step was service. It was just this natural thing that I was like, oh, shit. I'm not selfish. I'm not as selfish as I was anymore. Like I'm not constantly making everything about me anymore. I'm actively like thinking about the well-being of others. And, and it's so, it's so fulfilling and it becomes such a natural state of existence. You know, when I walk on the streets here of where we live in Santa Monica, California, it is such a, a disparity of like, you know, wealthy people turning a blind eye to the unhoused communities who are in extreme states of mental illness. And what I'm constantly doing, I'm constantly offering them blessings and constantly trying to buy them food in any ways that I can, constantly trying to energetically be resourceful and 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 physically with 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 money trying to be resourceful. And it doesn't take a hundred dollars, it doesn't take a thousand dollars, it takes, you know, perhaps somebody all they need in that moment. I've you know, from the work that that we do at the homeless shelter here in Venice Beach. You know, sometimes all they need is a cup of coffee and a cigarette. Sometimes all they need is to say, it's just a smile. Sometimes all they need is a sandwich. Sometimes all they need is a fucking blanket. Sometimes all they need is a, a, a sweater that is sitting in your, in, your, in, your, in your closet that you never wear and bringing that out, you know? And one other practice that I've been doing recently after listening to the work from a Dr. Hu Lin, who's a Hawaiian psychologist, and he speaks about the power of the Ho'oponopono mantra. I'm sorry, please forgive me thank you and I love you. He speaks about the fact that he was able to heal an entire uh, hospital of, of mentally ill patients who all had a criminal past. And the way that he healed all the patients wasn't by working with them and talking about their problems or any of the, the, the ways that we know to help people heal, right? Um, he would read their charts and embodied them and as he was experiencing, as he was reading their charts, he was engaging w- with as them, and he was then positioning themselves as the person who had hurt other people. And so he was in the in the in the in the trance state of the whole Ponopono mantra, 
offering the, the, the mantra to those that they have caused pain. He says that everyone that is in your reality is, is a responsibility, is part of your responsibility. And, and that just like, it's such a mind uh, shift. It's such a, a big mind fuck to, to, for us to go instead of saying, this is me, that's them, that's their problem, this is my problem. Like, what if for a day, what if for one afternoon we enter the world with the mindset that everyone that comes in, co- that we come in contact with is part of our responsibility and we stepped into their shoes in an energetic and a spiritual um, level, activated the power of our imagination for the benefit of other people so and look, look, for the blessings. The, the number one thing is to realize that, sorry to cut you off, but here's the thing. 99% of the people hearing this are not metaphysically capable of that level of energetic discipline. We actually have to help people with our fucking bodies. We can sit here and thoughts and prayers, all this shit all day long. But guess what? Thoughts and prayers aren't stopping mass shootings. As soon as the ban on assault rifles, uh, on, the ban on assault weapons expired, mass shootings went up 250%. Access to guns is a legislative issue, and it has put mass murder weapons in the hands of everyday people. Everyday people, as we know, have emotional mood swings. We have all kinds of stuff that comes up. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have that kind of power in our bare hands. No amount, and, and in addition, I'm happy that, that you're generous with individuals, and I think people should be generous with individuals, but we also have to realize there's the, there's the Hinayana path, which is I take care of myself. There's the Mahayana path, which is we take care of each other. And then what, what I was trained in is something called the Parayana path. And the Parayana path is the enlightened civilization. So, so there's, the, there's the individual, the path of individual liberation, the path of benefiting all other beings. And then there's a path of cultivating an enlightened civilization. No amount of private charity will compensate for violent, destructive policy. So I'm happy that there are people like you and me who are out there who are buying sandwiches, buying the coffee and the cigarette and the blanket and all of the all of the ways that we're able to be generous to, you know, based on the limitations of our own personal resources. But there are people who have access to legislation connected to the place where we print and create money out of thin air that. The government, the American government specifically, the American government has the ability to provide resources for absolutely everyone. We are not on a scarce planet. We're on an extraordinary, abundant planet. And now with technology, we have the ability to do extraordinary, resourceful distribution. Right now, we don't have a resource problem. We have a distribution problem. So we've got all kinds of resources in the world. That's why your mansion doesn't matter. That's why you manifesting your special magical things, that's why us manifesting, the individual manifesting all of our personal dreams is actually irrelevant. What we want to manifest, this is what our generation is called to do. We're called, every single person within the sound of my voice is called to manifest an enlightened civilization where every person, every child is my child. Every child is my child. I have to take care of my home. This planet is my home. This entire planet is all of our home. Every child on this planet is our child. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And and it's. I just want to emphasize something here for the listener, too. It's not that I am solely focusing on blessing thoughts and prayers and right. you know having this sort of energetic exchange with people. I mean, you know me off the record and you know the work that I do actually in, in person with people. Um, but for the listener who is who is perhaps like, oh, fuck, thoughts and prayer. I always thought that that was bullshit. And now here's Sad talking about like this energetic exchange with people who are on the streets, who are hurting, you know, physically in pain, psychologically impaired and, you know, really a place of despair. What I have to remind people right now, and just as a, as a, as a call to action, as a call to embodiment of spirituality if your self-care practices if your spiritual path is not turning you into an activist something is off right you got to run the other way you got to find a new teacher you got to find a new path right. because what you said earlier it, it, it it's 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 vital that we are not only walking the streets without spilling and bleeding and impacting people with our with our inner poison 
and impacting the grid system that we're all connected with, with stress and anxiety and fear and scarcity. So the blessing factory, the Ho'oponopono mantra, the I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I love you, and may you be happy. These kinds of practices, as you walk in the grocery store, as you walk in the streets, they're vital. And it's not the end all. Tired of sleepwalking through life on autopilot? and ready to step into a fully expressed, authentic, joyful life? Seeking a simple yet effective way to build a healthy spiritual routine that supports you on your own terms? The Awakening Membership makes resources to develop or deepen your spiritual practice portable, affordable, efficient, and fun. Join now for immediate access to Sa's most profound spiritual practices, including guided meditations, transformative coursework, insightful masterclasses, inspiring spiritual talks, monthly live Dharma workshops with Sa, weekly email inspiration, and more. The Awakening can be easily accessed on your desktop or our handy mobile app, so you'll always have the spiritual support you need when you need it. Ready to release your limiting beliefs, harmful mental conditioning, unhealthy habits, and those pesky personal demons once and for all? Join the awakening today via the link in the show notes. Use the code SSS for 10% off as an exclusive Spiritually Sassy Show discount. They can't stop there. See, the most important thing is, I think that I think that's a really nice story about that doctor. I've heard that. We've talked about it a number of times. Um The most important thing to realize is, I think that's an extraordinary narrative. Uh, I I think it's beautiful to hear. The most important thing to realize is, on a more grounded level, doing that prayer, the Ho'oponopono prayer, thank you, I love you, please forgive me, I'm sorry, I think I said it in the wrong order, but but those, those codes that are in that prayer what they do is they unlock genuine compassion and humility within you. And so I don't know about that doctor, but I know that if you, the listener, do that prayer, you will have some kind of breakthrough in how to relate to other people. Your energy will shift. You'll be softer. You'll be kinder. You'll be, you'll be more aware of resources that, that can be made available for other people. But the most important thing for us in our generation is to be as awake as possible, be as awake as possible. We can't, we can't say I'm going to save this whole world alone. We have to save the world together. Um, and we have to do it in really practical means. And the, and to say that we have to do it in practical means doesn't mean it has to be done in the ways that people in previous generations thought that it could be done. We do have to explore new ways. We do have to explore new models Capitalism itself, to, for an American and even for most most people in the world, uh, in in today's world, they can't even imagine a world without capitalism. They literally don't even know what that's like. We use words like communist and socialist like they're these horrible, violent insults left over from World War II. You know, the, these are these are are ideologies that are based on making everyone's needs met. The reason we don't collectively hear that much about people liking socialism or liking communism, the reason we have so much negativity around that, first of all, is because of a capitalistic media that propagates and and propagates capitalism, but also because we've never seen communism. We've never seen socialism. What we have seen is dictatorship calling itself communism. What we've seen, what a dictatorship is no, not very different from an aristocracy or from a monarchy where one ruling class gets all the first pick of all of the best stuff. And then if there's any crumbs left over, then the the masses get those little bits. And that's what we're doing economically in America. That's what uh, we've seen with the banks who have received these enormous uh, bailouts They've, they've paid their, their owners, they've paid their shareholders, they've paid their executives enormous bonuses without transferring any of those resources to the actual, the actual uh, people who need the money, the people who have the accounts at the banks who need the loans for their, for their cars or for their homes or for school. Wow. 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 I mean, this is like mind-blowing. So, so, like so mind here's the path blowing. that I see. 
The path that I see is first and foremost, yes, get your shit together. <laughs> and and I and I think and I always think of the Theravada or Hinayana path of Buddhism, the mindfulness path, the path of individual liberation, which is where you shared where your path started, which is where the path begins, which is I need to feel better. I have to get my own shit together. I want to have a better life. I want something more than what I've got right now. That's the first step for everybody. So good job. That's the first step. And yes, use manifestation to, to activate that happy, healthy, safe life. But then we start to think about other people. And the first people we think about, the first people we should think about are the people in our immediate vicinity. You don't need to go on a special missions trip across the world somewhere to go help these super desperate people so you can get great social media content of you being in a, in a poverty-stricken region. What, what we do actually need is people in, in their own regions, in their own neighborhoods, in their own families, taking care of their families like you do. You take great care of your family. You're a great example of someone who like looks at, at the needs of your immediate surroundings and you take care. You make a contribution. When you travel for other reasons, you also bring those qualities with you. So you do, you do you know, philanthropic work when you travel. I love that about you. But you don't travel for the poverty porn. You don't travel for the content of you doing these good things in remote regions. And that's something that we do see a lot of, especially in the American evangelical Christian communities, where they send their people off. And it's all under this, under this veil, under this guise, under this fake pretense of doing the right thing. But really what we're seeing is them propagating religious dogmatism, which is abusive and manipulative and traumatic in all of these different regions all over the world. And so that's why we see Christianity being the number number one religion in the world. And we also see within Christianity enormous flaws. Yes, there are so many beautiful, good people who are Christian. And there's so many good Christians out there doing good things. But what we see is people using misinterpreted, uh, out-of-context scriptures in order to justify their own unprocessed bigotry and hatred. So what's that? that's why that first part is so important. Process that shit. Process your own bigotry. Process your own internalized racism. Process your own homophobia. For white people, process your internalized white supremacy. Whether you think you are or you're not, you were born into a system that, that you inherit privilege. And so as a queer person, there's all kinds of stuff that I inherited as a queer person. But as a white person, there's all kinds of stuff I inherited as a white person. And so there, are, there is a mindfulness-based deconstruction, a decolonization of the psyche that's required and that's really what the first step of, of the spiritual path is. It's manifesting that. When we talk about enlightenment, it's about seeing things as they really, really are, not through the distorted lens that we've inherited and that's been conditioned into us. Oh, my goodness. I love listening to you. So, so the main thing <laughs> is we have to always remember that it comes to that last point. This is the most important part, in my opinion. It's the enlightened civilization. I have to, it, it's like a new kind of bodhisattva vow. I will become enlightened so that my society can become enlightened. I will become enlightened so that my government can become enlightened. I will become enlightened for the benefit of all beings and may that enlightenment be infused into all legislation into my region and all legislation worldwide. Because the leaders of the land the rulers of the land, the managers of all of the resources, they are, it's all controlled by old, outdated, unenlightened, essentially demonic, fear-based, scarcity consciousness. And that's where it's the symbol of David and Goliath, where David is this young man who can barely even wear the, wear the armor that he's been given. It's too heavy. He has to take it off. Can't even wear the armor. It's too heavy. He takes a small stone. And that small stone symbolizes truth. And that truth is what he takes in his battle, his one-on-one -on -one duel with Goliath, the giant who's much bigger than him, much stronger than him, and, and can wear, those, wear that armor and, and have his weapons. And David pierces the third eye of Goliath with that small stone. 
and its truth penetrating the part of the awareness that can become enlightened. That's the symbol of David and Goliath. So what we have to do as a people who are spiritual practitioners who want to see a better world, we have very short lives. So you want to make an impact before you check out on this lifetime and check into whatever's next for you after this lifetime? What we need is as many Davids sending as many pebbles of truth into the third eye of the Goliaths of the world. The Goliaths would be the military-industrial complex, the, the political and media mainstream media establishment complex, the, uh, the drug, pharmaceutical, chemical company industry, the entire healthcare industry, uh, food, agriculture, all even transportation. There's a whole mafia that runs each one of these different regions, uh, each one of these different industries and realms of, of industry. And what we have to do, what our assignment as, as this generation, our calling, our assignment is to bring that enlightened awareness into the leadership positions of every single industry so that there is fair, just, compassionate, wise decision-making so that people, life, and planet are prioritized over profit and personal gain. Mic drop, honey. <laughs> Mic drop. Listen, I have so many things I want to like, you know, just like bring up to the surface here. The one thing I want to talk about before we before we hop off is what do what's the first step into creating an enlightened society? You did say it there, like take care of your inner world, start with yourself, mm -hmm. you know focus on 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 you know developing a better, better relationship with your body with your mind with opening your heart walk the streets as a blessing factory but on the enlightened society component like what can people start to do right away mm -hmm. to feel like they're participating in the in the in the uh, parayana development of this enlightened society where where we are able to to impact the people who are printing the fucking money. Right. The first thing that we have to do is learn. We have to learn how to learn. We have to be able to learn everything that's going on. We have to become super learners. And we have the ability to do that in a way that no other generation before us has ever done. And I think TikTok is a really good example of where people, we're seeing Gen Z especially, really learn and show what they're learning. So first we have to learn so that we know what we're talking about. And second, we have to, and maybe concurrently, so maybe not second, but what we also have to do is support leadership. We have to find the wise elders, the people who are older and more experienced and more understanding than we are. We have to be very humble, and we have to recognize that there are people who do know more than us, who are on the same path. This is not a new path. This is an ancient path. This is not a new war. This is an ancient one. And so what we want to do is find the leaders the spiritual leaders, the enlightened leaders, and we want to back them up big time. You got to back them up. You got to show up for them. You got to learn from them. You got to show up to their rallies. You got to vote for them, you know? Um, and then when it's time, you have to go be that leader. When you inherit that opportunity, you have to lead your family that way. You have to teach your classes that way. You have to lead your business that way. You have to manage your, your teams that way. And, and for some of us, that means actually running for political office. And what you got to do, the most important thing you got to do is tell the truth the entire time. It's not about destroying the old system. It's about bringing light into dark places, telling the truth, the absolute truth. We don't need any more politicians who are lying. If you think, if you go in thinking that you're about to go help, and you're about to go do something really, really good. And I'm going to go into this political situation for this important thing. And I'm going to help these people. And I'm going to liberate these populations. And then you're going to go do that by smear campaigns, by lying about other candidates. You were there when I was running for office. People who I was trying to help were happily lying about me simply because there was another candidate they already liked. And so what we have to do is tell the truth. We've got to learn. We've got to tell the truth. And we've got to back up the people who are telling the truth big time. The number one person that comes to mind for me, I know you already know, is Marianne Williamson. Right now, Marianne Williamson is running for president and people need to shut up and back her up 
People need to listen to what she's saying. They need to learn from her and they need to realize she is actually the most qualified, rarest candidate that has ever entered into these spaces. You talk to someone who works in politics. You talk to someone who thinks they got it all figured out. They're going to tell you, oh, well, we want a politician to be in that position. Bitch, no, we don't. What we like about Marianne is that she has helped individuals, millions of individuals, heal their lives. She has a better understanding of the of the suffering of individual people in this country and all over the world than any candidate that has ever been leader of any nation. She has spent her entire career working for and with people, hands on. That's what makes her a great fucking candidate. There's a there's a a, a scripture, a Christian scripture that says, "The heart." of the king must be for the poor. So so the heart of our leader must be turned towards the lowest among us all. And that's what we see with someone like Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williamson has legitimately enlightened and and um, compassionate policy. And so people like that are who we need to be supporting. So your, your question is, how do we start? How do we build an enlightened society? You're exactly right. We got to start with ourselves. But no, what what we have to do now is not waste any time. You got to wake up. The where it's it's already time. It's already sunrise. It's already wake up time. The alarms going off right now, left and right and center. The alarms are going off. We were born in a time of the alarms going off. We were born in a time of extraordinary climate catastrophe. We were born in a time of the, the, the seeds having already been planted of World War III. We were born in a time of extraordinary economic disparity. We are the generation who is called to live our entire lives completely awake doing everything we can to prepare a situation where a future generation has a better shot than we did at survival. Amen. Amen. And the last thing I'm going to say before we do the closing notes, closing remarks, it's it's really interesting to think that like the people in government have no context for mental health, no context for spiritual liberation, no context for trauma, right. no context to the the human the pain of being human and someone like Marion Williamson who has actually factually you know helped millions of people around the world to feel better to open their hearts to relax their minds to come out of hopelessness to come out of depression she was on the bedside of people who were dying of AIDS when the government said fuck them don't turn to them don't look at them they are they are the worst of the worst don't even go there and she was there helping them, supporting them, feeding them. I'm having full body chills and I'm also feeling a little emotion. But it's, I think the problem with this is, is that they're just so afraid of the light. And I think it goes on with, with what Teknaha is saying. But before I talk about the Teknaha thing, it's like, it's a thing about like, how can someone that has like intellectualized what it means to live a happy, healthy life truly know what it takes? You know, versus someone who has an embodied somatic awareness, somatic gnosis, a heart, a awakened heart to what it truly means because they've lived through the trenches. They have navigated the valley of shadows themselves, not only by themselves, but with an entire community that she has dragged out of misery, that she has dragged out of despair with all of her work, with all through multiple decades. So I think it's I think it's just a matter of being completely afraid, and and I think it goes on with what Thich Nhat Hanh says. It's like, and I'm paraphrasing what this great uh, Buddhist uh, you know sage has said. He says we're so we are so um, he says we're so familiar with suffering, we're so familiar with misery that we rather stay in it because the light, the enlightenment, the liberation is so unfamiliar that we are afraid of, so we rather stay in it. And that staying in the misery, it's going to pro propagate and proliferate more misery. So we need leaders like Marianne. We need leaders like all of you listening to be inspired, to lead a life of compassionate action so the world could see the change that it needs. And I love what you said. The alarm has been on the moment you've, you've, you've popped into this world, honey. So, Benny, thank you so much. Like, wow, what an inspired episode. What an educational episode. I'm like, <gasps> I'm on fire. 
where can the listener find you? Where can we find you? What are the things that they can, you know, do with you right away? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, I'm Ben Decker loves you on TikTok, Ben Decker on Twitter, Benjamin W Decker on Instagram. I couldn't get the same one on all of them. Uh, but if you go to bendeckermeditation.com, uh, that's where my blog is. It's updated three times a week. And I also have so much good content there. I have my podcast, a modern spirituality show, which is updated once a week. And also on bendeckermeditation.com, I, I am available for private sessions. So if you are in a bind, if you've got something going on, if you're, if you feel stuck or, or want some, some support, uh, beginning your journey or even activating or, or moving through a glass ceiling, I'm available one-on-one as well. And I cannot recommend that enough, y'all, like literally. And you can find all the links to everything um, um, Ben Decker related in the show notes. So head to the show notes right away. And uh, also, you know, one thing that, that we didn't get to talk about much in this, it's Ben has written four books, you know, so you can also go find these right. books. Everywhere books are sold. Uh, all this information is on his website. So thank you very, very much. I am so grateful to you. I'm so grateful to everyone who's listening. And um, remember, please, if you love the podcast, if you love the show, go subscribe, go rate, go go write a review, go send it to your friends and your family and, you know, spread the word, spread the spiritually sassy gospel, honey. Mm-hmm. Let's get it out there. Love that. And um, I also want to invite you all to leave me a voicemail if you have questions or you need a prayer request or you want support or you have specific feedback at 805-285-2331. Again, that's 805-285-2331. And that number is used. You can use that from uh, anywhere in the world. And um, new episode every Tuesday. I love you so much. And Benjamin, Thank Thank you you for having me.